listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a really good information-filled Tuesday episode for you. We're going to talk about what's going on with the NFL totals this year. I brought it up yesterday, but there might be an explanation as to why we're looking at so many unders nine weeks into the season, and we're at 61% of the games are going under. Yet another primetime under last night as the Chargers-Jets goes under by eight points. We're going to go over Major League Baseball's awards. I'll give you my predictions as the final three in each category was announced yesterday. And then I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about, you're never going to believe this, but guess what started last night? College basketball is upon us. My favorite sport. Now, there's so much to talk about here, but I just want to focus on one thing that happened last night and then an overall generalization about college basketball gambling. And we will get to all that momentarily. All right, let's get started in the NFL. As I mentioned in the open, another under last night in a primetime game, 27-6, Chargers over the Jets. They're both 4-4 four and four on the season. The game went under by eight points. That means that primetime unders, games played on Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night this year are now 22-7 and seven to the under. Sunday night football, eight of the nine games have gone under. Monday night football, 10 of the 11 games have gone under. I mean, it is. And on Thursday, it's four of the, what is it, four of the nine. So Sunday night and Monday night football, just an under barrage. And you're like, well, how do you explain this? I, I think one thing that came out yesterday, it's been going on all season, but somebody put it out there in a tweet yesterday, is the fact that we have have a new single-season record in the NFL this year for rookie quarterbacks who have made a start. Do you realize 10 rookie quarterbacks have made a start in the NFL this year? Bryce Young of the Panthers, C.J. Stroud of the Texans, Anthony Richardson of the Colts, Will Levis of the Titans, Aiden O'Connell for the Raiders, Dorian Thompson-Robinson from the Browns, Tyson Badgett for the Bears, Clayton Toon of the Cardinals, Jaron Hall of the Vikings, Tommy DeVito from the Giants. That's 10. Now, Bryce Young struggling as a Carolina starter. A lot of their games are going under. C.J. Stroud has been excellent. Texans are not an underplay because C.J. Stroud can put points on the board. Anthony Richardson isn't playing anymore, injured, out for the year. Will Levis has just started for the Titans. He threw four touchdowns in his first start, or when he first got in the game, first start. So he's one to stay away from in terms of the under. But you see a game that Aiden O'Connell is starting. Dorian Thompson-Robinson started one for the Browns, but it looks like Deshaun Watson is going to be the starter for the rest of the year unless he gets hurt. Tyson Badgent. For the Bears, he's been going under in his games that he has played. Clayton Toon has started one game for the Cardinals. His career, at least this season, is over. He got shut out 27-0, and the Cardinals are going to start Kyler Murray this weekend. First start he's made since he blew out his knee last year. Jaron Hall started last week for the Vikings. That game ended up going over, but Jaron Hall was knocked out in the first quarter, so he's out. And then Tommy DeVito, I mean, I've watched him come in in mop-up duty in a couple Giants games. He cannot throw a football. He cannot complete a forward pass. There's a reason the Giants are 17-point underdogs against the Dallas Cowboys this Sunday in Dallas. Remember, these teams played on Sunday night football to start the season in New York, and Dallas beat them 40 to nothing. That was with Daniel Jones playing. 
Now the Cowboys get the Giants at home. The Cowboys are off a loss, and the Giants have Tommy DeVito as the quarterback. I'm sorry, you could make this line 30, and I think the Dallas Cowboys are covering. Because the Dallas Cowboys have shown when they play a horseshit team at home this year, they blow them out. They beat the Patriots by 35, they beat the Jets by 20, and they beat the Rams by 23, and it was worse than that because they were up by 30 in the first half. So 17 against the Giants, as long as Tommy DeVito is playing. I have a feeling the Giants might go with Matt Barkley. Not that he's some world beater, but the Giants know they can't continue to throw Tommy DeVito out there if they want to be remotely competitive. The Dallas Giants game is basically a name-your-score game. Yes, it's going to be very hard. Even though they're off a loss, it's still going to be very hard to get up for a team like the Giants when you beat them 40 to nothing in week one and now they're without their true starting quarterback. But So maybe the, maybe the Cowboys get off to a slow start. Maybe they give up an early touchdown. But they will be able to do whatever they want against the Giants. So I, the 17 doesn't scare me off. I guarantee you I'm teasing that down to seven because I'm sorry. The Dallas Cowboys are going to destroy the Giants this weekend. They just And if they don't, then they're not as good as everyone says they are. They're good, and they're very good against bad teams. And the Giants are a very bad team who don't even have their starting quarterback anymore. Have you seen this thing about the Steelers this year? Granted, they are 5-3. and three. You realize they've been outgained in every game that they have played this year. <laughs> and uh, they have a negative scoring differential, yet they're 5-3. and three. It's never happened before. I believe in the history of football, that many games into the season. So the stat is the Steelers are the 34th team since 1933 when rushing and receiving stats were first tracked. The 34th team since 1933. So we're looking at 90 years to be outgained in each of their first eight games of the season. However, they're the only one that has a winning record, five and three. The Steelers are also the only team this season to be outgained in every game, and uh, and they've been outgained by 790 yards, second worst to only the Broncos, 830. I mean, that is just – how do you even explain that? Yet they're 5-3. and three. I just need four wins out. I don't care if they get outgained every game this season. As long as they get to nine wins, I'm happy. Here's an interesting stat when it comes to Kenny Pickett. Again, he's not Dan Marino back there. He seems to do like one or two good things a game, and that gets them a win. Kenny Pickett, 6-0 against the spread in night games in his career. He's only been the quarterback since last year, but if the Pittsburgh Steelers are playing at night, Kenny Pickett, 6-0 against the spread. Let's keep that in mind. Your baseball awards, the final three, which is what they do now. They don't just announce the award. They say, hey, everybody, your four major awards in baseball, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Manager of the Year. Your final, you have three finalists for everybody and for each category. So right now in the American League, Shohei Otani, Corey Seager, and Marcus Simeon are the three up for MVP. Otani's going to win. It's just you have to give it to him. If you included the postseason, clearly Corey Seager would be, but you don't. These awards were voted on at the end of the season. National League, Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman. Betts had a horrible September. I, he was neck and neck with Acuna, and then Mookie Betts did nothing for the last month of the season. So Acuna gets this, considering he went 40-70, when nobody in the history of baseball had ever done four, 
anything better than 40-40. He went 40-70. He's the MVP. American League Cy Young, Garrett Cole, Kevin Gossman, Sonny Gray. I'll be honest with you. I couldn't tell you what any one of them did. I know Kevin Gossman struck out a lot of guys. Was Garrett Cole that good? Sonny Gray of the Twins? I don't care who wins that award. National League, Zach Gallen, Blake Snell, and Logan Webb. I think Blake Snell is going to win this. He had some ridiculous stats, but I can't remember them off the top of my head. Rookie of the Year awards. In American League, Tanner Beebe, Tristan Cassis, and Gunnar Henderson of the Orioles probably going to Gunnar Henderson. In the National League, Corbin Carroll, Corbin Carroll James Outman, and uh, Kodai Senga from the Mets. It's going to go to Corbin Carroll. I mean, he led his team to the playoffs when nobody expected anything out of them. And Manager of the Year awards uh, in the American League, Bruce Bochy, Kevin Cash, or Brandon Hyde. I, you know, this was voted on at the end of the regular season. Still, I think you got to give it to Bruce Bochy. I know Kevin Cash uh, gets the raise to the playoffs every year with such a limited payroll, and the Orioles had the best record in the NL and the American League this year. So maybe some people will give it to Hyde just for that, but the Orioles were up and coming last year. The Rangers had won 68 games last year and then went to 90 and went to the last day of the season to win their division that they ended up losing on the last day of the season. I know you had to vote then, so maybe that's going to leave a bad taste in people's mouths when it comes to Bruce Bochy is the fact that the Rangers didn't end up winning the AL West and went 2-5 and five in the last week of the season to blow that lead. But to me, and I'm taking the World Series out of this. I'm taking what they did in the postseason out of this. They won 68 games a year ago. They improved by 22 games. He should be the manager of the year in the American League. And in the National League, Craig Council, the Brewers, who, wow, how about that yesterday? The Chicago Cubs step up to the plate and say, we'll fire David Ross from Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> we'll bring over Craig Council. We'll steal him from the Brewers, our division rival, and we'll pay him $8 million a season. Yikes. Craig Council is an excellent manager. Excellent. Uh, Skip Schumacher of the Marlins, Brian Snitker of the Braves. They're not going to give it to Snitker, I don't think, because the Braves were expected to be good. Usually the manager of the year award goes to somebody whose team wasn't going to be good, and then they were. So, I don't know. I'll go with Brian. I will go with um, Skip Shoemaker here of the Marlins because nobody expected the Marlins to be any good, and they made the playoffs. So, those are your awards. Let's see if I'm right on any of them. I think I'm right. I'm going to be right on most of them. It's not like these are hard awards to pick when you have a one-in-three chance of being right. But the announcement of these will be on the Major League Baseball Network on uh, two weeks from this Thursday, November 16th. All right, it is Among Us. My favorite sport to watch, to cover, has the best postseason tournament ever, and that's college basketball. I know, you know, following 360 teams in college basketball is damn near impossible, and I'm not even going to try and pretend like I even know who's good. I mean, I I know the teams that are good, obviously, but to give you their lineups, because nowadays with the transfer portal, so many teams, even the top teams in the nation, the Kansases, the Michigan States, the Tennessees, the Yukons, they're bringing in two to four transfers from the portal every year. It's impossible to keep up and know everybody's roster. So it's going to take me a month or two of watching games to see who I like, who I don't like, all this stuff. But if you're interested in gambling and making money, I'm not saying like you are definitely going to make money betting college basketball, but if you ask anybody who's in the handicapping industry, they will tell you early season non-conference college basketball. I don't want to say it's it's never easy to make money gambling, 
but it is the easiest of all the sports. Why? Here's the reason. Because when college basketball starts, like it did last night, Vegas is much more worried about putting out your lines for the NFL and college football because that's where most of the money is being bet. They're focusing on that, not to mention, while yes, they have algorithms and systems put in place to spit out a number, but you can't possibly tell me they have a beat on 360 Division I college basketball teams and are going to be close on the number every single time. You know, not, not every single time, but you know what I mean. It's impossible. You can't possibly know, especially with the transfer portal now. And so many new teams, so many teams have so many new players. It's like, yeah, you, your system can only tell you too much. And here's an example. Last night, there were 20 games involving top 25 college basketball teams. Of those 20 games, 17 of the top 25 teams covered. And I'm talking big numbers. Like, you can't set a line big enough for some of these early season matchups when a Division One, when uh, a Division One powerhouse is playing some ninth or tenth ranked team in the sixteenth best conference in America, you know. And I'm going to go over all of these, and you'll see, like, holy shit, Vegas is way off. So it proves my point that yes, you might have some games that land close to the number, but even some of these thirty point spreads were being completely blown out of the water, and these teams were covering by halftime. So of the 17 games, here they are. Tennessee was favored by 32 and a half and won by 38. Yukon was favored by 26 and a half. The defending national champions, they won by 43. Purdue was favored by 20 and a half. They won by 53. Miami was favored by 25. They won by 41. Villanova was favored by 22. They won by 27. Alabama favored by 21 and a half won by 32. Houston was favored by 30 over ULM. How many did they win by? 53. University of Kentucky, minus 16 against New Mexico State. 16-point favorites. How many did they win by? 40. Texas, 31.5-point favorites. They won by 32. Close one. Kansas, 30-point favorites. The number one team in the nation. They won by 43. Illinois, 30-point favorites over Eastern Illinois. They didn't cover. They won by 28. Okay, they, they didn't cover by two. Texas A&M, 21.5-point favorites. They won by 32. Arkansas, 28-point favorites. They won by 34. Marquette, 25-point favorites. They didn't cover. They won by 22. Michigan State shit the bed yesterday and lost outright as a 16.5-point favorite to James Madison at home. They were one of the four. It was actually 16 of the 20 that didn't cover or 16 of the 20 that covered. Um, Duke, minus 27 and a half. They won by 36. Arizona was minus 32. How many did they win by? 63. USC, minus three against Kansas State. They won by 13. San Diego State, 14 and a half point favorites. They won by 26. So if you didn't believe me when I said, look, it is possible to make money in college basketball, there's a lot of value in games, and I know people get scared off by, oh, my God, they're favored by 30 or 35. Look at how many I just read. Now, granted, it already happened, so you missed out on that opportunity last night. But shit, look at those top 25 teams playing some dog shit team from a horrible conference 
that isn't even picked to finish high. They can't set these lines. They're not going to set a line at 50, I don't think. But look at those. Arizona favored by 30, and they win by 63. You know? I'm just saying, keep an eye out for those. I'm not going to sit here every day on the podcast and say, hey, let's go over our top 25 games and tell you which ones I like. I mean, I, I'm not going to give college basketball bets this year. I'm sticking with football. When we get to the tournament, yes, I will. But when the Super Bowl is over and the only thing going is NBA and college basketball and maybe on the Friday podcast, I might have some plays if there's some big top 25 matchups this, that weekend. But you're not going to get any college basketball plays until either that, until Super Bowl's over, and then we get into March Madness. Then obviously I'll give my plays like I do every year. But I'm telling you, you ask any handicapper, where is the best value you can make money? And it's college basketball. Because Vegas does not have a beat on 360 different teams. All they're doing at this point, especially early on, because they haven't seen these teams play with all their new players out of the transfer portal. So all they can do for these first few games is just spit out a line that is like, okay, this is based on nothing. I mean, obviously they have something to base it on. When, you know, Arizona played, who did they play? Morgan State. I mean, how do you even make a line for that? They made the line 32. You know what the score was at halftime? 61-26. They were already covering at halftime, and then they outscored them in the second half, 61-33. I mean, this is what I mean. There is value there. You can find them. Betting big favorites, top-ranked teams in the nation, playing dog shit teams, even if they're laying 20 or 25 or 30 points, you can take them and feel comfortable. Just look at the opponent and make sure they're not like somebody that's picked to finish in the top half of their conference. Just look, if there's somebody that's like, hey, they're from the Patriot League and they're picked to finish eighth, you know, I'm not saying every single one you do is going to win, but 20 games last night in top 25 action, 20 of the uh, top 25 teams in the nation were playing last night, and 16 of them covered, and you just heard me go over all those games, most of them covered by double digits over the line. So you got to keep that in mind. Uh, when betting college basketball, this year, you can make some money in the early on, in the early going. Now, when we get into conference play, yes, Vegas is going to have a much better beat on these teams. They'll have, usually you have about 13, 14 games under your belt in non-conference action before you start conference play. Vegas is going to have a better beat on it then. So, yeah, the lines are going to be tighter come January and February and March, for sure. But, these early goings when Vegas is way more focused on NFL and college football lines because that's where most of the handle is coming in on and that's what most people are betting. Yeah, there'll be people betting college basketball. Hell, I threw in a couple bets last night and I went 4-0. and And I didn't even bet any of those I just gave you outside of Wisconsin. So I, I, I'm just saying that I, I read a couple articles. I saw I was like, oh, this team's supposed to be halfway decent. Oh, they're getting nine and a half points on the road. I'll just take them. And they lost by one. I had one 10-point uh, underdog that won outright. Yeah. <laughs> I had Abilene Christian last night getting 10.5 at Oklahoma State because I read an article that said Oklahoma State, not a good home favorite, struggled last year at home, laying 10.5 against a good team. Don't be surprised if Abilene Christian won. And they did. They won the game outright. So I didn't even need the 10.5. But I had them. I had University of Maryland, Baltimore County, UMBC, they won. Uh, they lost by um, one to Louisville. Louisville was four and twenty-eight last year, and they were laying nine and a half against UMBC. 
I couldn't tell you what you uh, what Louisville did in the offseason. I just know that they weren't they weren't beating a team by double digits who was good from another conference. So, um, and then I had Wisconsin minus thirteen and a half. They won by twenty nine, total blowout. And then um, who was my other college game? Uh, Wisconsin UMBC. Oh, oh, and I read an article about Merrimack. <laughs> Merrimack was supposed to be pretty good. I mean, Merrimack has been good, but you know, you know how they have that rule. We've talked about this come tournament time. They have that rule. If you move from division two to division one, you have a four year window where even if you're the best team in your league and you win your conference tournament, you can't play in the NCAA tournament. You have to wait four years. Well, two of the four years that Merrimack has moved up to division one, they've won their conference tournament yet couldn't go to the big dance. So this year, first year that they are um, eligible to go have a good team. I saw they were getting 14 against Vermont. I took them. They lost by 12. So we cover that. 4-0 in college basketball last night. Not going to happen every night for sure. But just a word of advice if you're interested in college basketball, nothing is easy. Nothing is a lock. But you will see that a lot of early season college basketball games, Vegas just doesn't have a beat on these teams yet. And they just can't post a number that, uh, you know, like you just read you all of them. You know what I'm talking about. They just, you you don't know. And now we've seen these teams. They only have one game under their belt. But clearly, Vegas is going to have to start setting 40 and 50 point lines on some of these complete mismatches. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review. Tell your friends about this podcast, especially Give them that little insight on college basketball if they want to make some money this year. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.